happy to see you all this morning. Welcome. Welcome to our friends. Welcome to our newcomers. So good to be here with you today. This is Missions Month, and I think we have some more probably in the back, but you should have gotten a mission uh, poster. So we're also going to be welcoming our online campus, and we're so happy for our online family around the world, but we're celebrating God so loved the world every Sunday this month. Amen? So I want you to please wear your country colors. Remember, if you register online and attend every, what, every time you do it this month, your name is going into a drawing. It does not count if you came and registered up there. You have to register online by Saturday night. We print out the sheet. Those names are going into a drawing. We're giving away an iPad and um, wireless earpods because I want you to know what it feels like when you sow and reap. We want to bless back. Amen? And I like to give gifts. I think it's fun. And it helps us to be excited. Right, y'all? About the blessings of God. Amen? So happy for that. I also want to let you know that um, we are going to postpone our water baptism service from next Sunday, the 21st, to the 28th. Everybody say 28th. November 28th. We will have a parade of costumes. We will have water baptism. And uh, so please mark your calendars. If you have registered or not registered for water baptism, I want you to do that. If you have recommitted your life to the Lord... In these last several months, we haven't been able to have a baptism service for over a year. I want you to follow what Jesus did in the Bible and be baptized. Revelation says, do your first works again, right? And it's a great time to invite friends to see that I'm making that private commitment that I made to serve Jesus. I'm making it public that I'm his child. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect from that moment forward. But it means your sins are washed away and you are making a public declaration that I believe I belong to Jesus. Amen? So everybody who gets baptized will have an I Believe t-shirt. We will do an online baptism class this Tuesday. Everybody say Tuesday. And the following Tuesday for baptism on the 28th. Today, I am so very thankful that um, one of our supporting pastors from America, Dr. Mark Anthony, is with us. And um, as many of you may know and remember, Pastor Rick, my husband, loved football, and Ohio State was his big team. I love that Pastor Mark Anthony loves the team that was the arch rival of, Mich of Ohio, which was Michigan. But he also reminded me this morning that his wife is an Ohio State Buckeye fan, so he has to have the red and blue all the time. But you know, both represent champions. And I want you to know that this is our friend, our family friend, our pastoral friend, our missionary friend of ICF Rome. And um, I'm just so thankful that you would put us on your stop. He was teaching or at a board meeting at um, the Continental Bible School in uh, Brussels, Belgium. And I got a note that he would be willing to come to Rome. And I said, absolutely. And the Lord knew what we needed for today. So I want you to give a very strong international welcome to our friend and our pastor, Dr. Mark Anthony. All right. Wow, what an honor it is to be here. 
Um, I want to make sure that when I go back to Atlanta, Georgia, where I pastor, that I have the same amount of energy as Pastor Jennifer. I don't know if I can do that. I know that I can't dress with as much style and pizzazz as her. But uh, aren't you grateful for the leadership that God has given you here at ICF Rome? Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. How many of you love the Word of God? Amen. I am so grateful that in times of questioning, in times where we need to discern what What are you doing in the world? God, we can always look to his word. I want to get right into it because we don't have a lot of time here this morning. I was so impressed by this man named, there's a story of a man named Mr. Yates, and he was a rancher in a, a state, a big state in the United States called Texas, and he was in West Texas. And for the longest time, uh, they weren't they weren't developing enough cattle to sell in order to make it, and his family was living in poverty. And so there was a crew during the Depression era, era back in the 1930s that came along, and they said, we, we believe that on your land, they had thousands of acres, that you might have oil. And at about 1,115 feet, when they dug below the earth, they struck oil. And over the next couple of weeks, they found that 18,000 barrels of oil was produced per day. And even, even years later, years later, they, they found that that was one of the smaller wells. They had, they had wells that were pr- producing 80,000, 115,000 barrels a day. And here he was a man who was a multimillionaire because he owned the land. And when he purchased the land, he owned all the oil and the mineral lights to that land. And yet he was living in poverty. A multimillionaire, but didn't know it. What does that say to us? How many Christians today are living in poverty, yet they're walking around not understanding that they are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that they don't realize all that they have, that there is a birthright that we possess as Christians, as children of the King. And so I want to bring your attention to Luke chapter 11 today because I, I think that as we look at this story, you'll find that there is a prayer. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that a wonderful prayer? To pray over ICF, over all of Rome. God, when when we go to the Lord in prayer, God, would your kingdom come to ICF? Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done in my family, in my marriage, in all my relationships? And so he starts this. The disciples ask Jesus, how should we pray? And so he gives them this model prayer, and then right after that comes this incredible parable that is often misunderstood. And so, if you will, Luke chapter 11, we're going to start at verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, right after he gives them the prayer, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, a friend of mine on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. 
And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? And then at the end he says, how much more will your Heavenly Father, give you exactly what you need. He's going to pour out the Holy Spirit. That's what he says here. He says, uh, um, will not the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I want to start off and follow along in the notes if you like, but the, the prayer and the parable point to the Father. Jesus lives his whole existence oriented to the father remember when he was lost or he wasn't lost but his parents had lost him they go back to the temple Jesus where have you been he's a 12 year old boy do you remember what he said do you not know that I must be about my father's business that affirmation would shape his entire ministry and in fact to his first disciples by the well in Samaria, he said, my, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me, my father. John chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. So listen, at the very outset, we have to have this theological underpinning. The father loves the son. The son loves the father. And the son's greatest desire is to explain the father to us. Don't you know that Jesus might have a few things to share with us that we don't know about our heavenly father? So what, is, what does he know about the father that we don't know, and he shares with us this disciple or this uh, parable. So, uh, point number two, and we need to know this: God always honors His name. Remember the prayer: "Our Father who art in heaven, holy is Your name, hallowed is Your name." The parable that we are studying this morning is often called a friend at midnight. It is intended to encourage the disciples. To pray. The prayer and the parable go together, and I think they're, they're there to encourage us to pray. Why do we pray? One of the themes that you have over this month is, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ever ask or think. Well, how do we connect that truth to become a spiritual reality in our own lives? So I think that what happens is, and I love I love preaching this message in this setting because we have a diverse setting here. Some of you are from a Western culture, and some of you are from an Eastern culture. And I'll be honest with you, those from an Eastern culture are going to understand this parable better than those of us 
who see this parable through a Western lens. And I'm going to show you exactly how that works. The first thing I want us to understand that this parable, what we've done in Western interpretation is we've made it about the guy that's knocking on the door. A friend is coming, I've got to go get some food, so I go to my neighbor, and if I keep on knocking, and we feel like that's the emphasis, those from an Eastern translation or, or an Eastern context would, would probably look at it differently and make it about the person on the inside. I think this parable is about the, the father on the inside. And what's critical here, and you'll want to look in your Bible. Do you have your Bibles open? Verse 8, verse 8 because of his persistence, because of his, what my uh, translation said, shameless audacity. I'm going to glean some insights from Kenneth Bailey, who's a theologian who lived in the Middle Eastern peasant world for 20 years. He lived in places like Egypt and Lebanon, amongst nomads in Syria and Iraq and what he, what he discovered was that those who live in these isolated peasant communities live in a context that was very similar to Palestine 2,000 years ago. And this is, there's uh, five observations that he's going to make about this text. And I'm going to go through this pretty quick. Are, do you have your Bible open? Verses 5 through 7, uh, these verses of the parable are a question. The question is essentially, can you imagine a friend when you receive a request for food would respond, no, my kids are in bed, go away. So he, he says it's a question. Can you imagine having a friend who he has a, a real need, he goes to his neighbor can I have some bread? This is important because I'm going to help someone who's coming to visit. And you, you have a friend that doesn't have the time for him? No one could imagine that. You see, in number two, an Eastern response would be different than our Western response. And I'm speaking of mine personally. We can imagine this response. You see, if I live in a, a place called Georgia, okay? If you came at midnight to a house in Georgia... They're not going to meet you with a smile. They might bring a, a gun to the door. Our friends from Louisiana might uh, concur with this. Uh, for whatever reason, they love their guns in Georgia, and they, they literally might come with that. In the Middle Eastern culture, the, there's no way that they would answer in a way that would reflect negatively on their community. And so I remember doing a, a trek in India up in Leh Ladakh, high up in the mountains, and walking into this village, and it was pitch black. There was no electricity in this community, in this village. And we knocked on the door, and they didn't say, go away. They didn't meet us with a knife or a gun. They welcomed us in their home. And, and made us some buttered tea. Has anyone had any tea that they put butter in it? You, you've had that, yeah. I still have nightmares about drinking buttered tea. Okay, so the Eastern response is going to be different than the Western response. Number three, we need to look at some of the cultural dynamics at work in this story. So I have some Indian brothers here. I love this. When I visited India, 
they would ask me a question that we might ask if you visited the United States, but they, there was one difference in the pronoun. If, if someone visited my country or my state, I might ask you, how did you like my country? Or how did you like my community? When I went to India, the question was different. How did you like our community? It was communal. How did you like our country? That's the way it was asked. You see, every Indian recognized they were extending hospitality on behalf of their whole country. Another factor going on here is that this man, listen to this now, this man, he's asking for three loaves of bread. Essentially, he's, he's really asking, you see, when, when I eat in America, I need, I, and by the way, I can't use chopsticks. I don't know how to do that. Uh, but I can use a fork and a spoon. But in, in some settings, and, and some of you have had this as a reality, if you have stew, you'd sit around in a table and you'd take a piece of bread or maybe a, a ball up of rice and you would stick it in the stew and you'd eat it, right? Has anyone ever done that? You sit around, the table, you, have, you have bread, you stick it in the stew and you eat it. Uh, essentially, that's the way they ate back then. And so he's going to this neighbor and he's asking for bread. He's only asking for the utensils. You see, he has to go to other houses in the village. He, he needs some cucumbers. He needs some tomato. Right? He needs some potatoes. Maybe he's going to ask for a goat from another rich neighbor or some lamb. See, he's going to make a stew. See, this is just his first stop here. And this is important for us to understand as we move along. And notice, um, that's why in verse 8, you, see, you have the phrase, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Did you see that? He doesn't say, I'm going to get up and give him three loaves of bread. He gets up and gives him as much as he needs. You don't have to go to houses down the road. Why? Because I have the cucumbers. I have the potatoes. I have the meat. I have all that you need for your stew. So number four, the importance of the word in verse eight. In the Greek, it is the word anaidayan. Anaidayan. When I, when I did a word study on this, I found that some of our, some of our translations make it persistence. And so we make this prayer about someone that's just continually knocking and somehow we're going to bug the guy in the inside. And that's how we view prayer. I'm going to bug God until he gives me what I need. But anaidayan, the, the defi definition of this word is shamelessness. You see, this is a cultural value. Uh, I live in a guilt culture in the United States, but many of you come from a shame culture, and you never want to bring shame on your community. And here's the thing. God, and I've got to move fast here, God never wants to shame, bring shame to his name. And number five, this word shameless, it applies to the one who is being asked for bread, not the one doing the asking. Right? So this is not about the one knocking on the door. Can I tell you today, when you go to the Lord in prayer, it's not about you. It's not about how you pray. It's not about the posture in which you pray. It's about the character of the one to whom we are praying. That's what this whole story is all about. 
So you'll notice in these clauses, uh, uh, every single one, it is about the man. Even though he will not get up, it's about the person on the inside. And give him it, it's about the person. Because he is his friend, it's about the person on the inside. Yet because of his shamelessness, not persistence. Persistence would be about the guy in the ins- on the outside. But because of Anna Edayan, because of shamelessness, his avoidance of shame, he will give up, get up and he'll give him as much as he needs. And so remember, the disciples come along. Lord, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. And he says, our Father, start there. Always start your prayer. Our Father, the parable is about God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The parable teaches that our Father has shamelessness. The Father will never bring shame to his name. Notice uh, there's a covenant name for God. That word is Yahweh. That's a covenant name for God. Yahweh. And essentially it is, I will be your God and you will be my people. Jesus is saying that God is always going to honor his name. When you go to the Lord in prayer, he is not a God who will ignore you or say, you know, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm dealing with someone who lives in Peru, so I don't have time for you. I've already locked the doors, and I, I don't have the time. The parable is really about the character of God, and he does not want a rumor going around in the morning that someone came asking for help, and that person was ignored. Moses understands this aspect of the character of God. In Exodus 32, God says, I've had it with these people. I'm going to wipe them out. I took them out of Egypt, but they're stubborn. I've had it. And Moses prays. Would you pray this with me or say this with me? Moses prays, what are the Egyptians going to think about this? You said, I am there with you and for you. And if you wipe them out, you've gone against your? How many of you know God cares about his name? Moses says, I I, I don't want it going around amongst the Egyptians that you have lost the people of God. It will reflect negatively. Let's go on. Through the intercession of Moses, Scripture is clear that God relented. David knows this about God. He says in Psalm 25, 11, For your name's sake, Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. For your name's sake. In Psalm 23, 3, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. In Ezekiel 36, I will restore you, I will cleanse you, I will free you. Why? For my name's sake. You see, it's important. When you go to the Lord in prayer, I want you to know it's not about you and it's not even about your need. It's about God and His character and His glory filling the earth. So, Roman numeral three, God is committed to His people. God is committed. God's commitment to His name translates into a commitment for his people. 1 Samuel 12, 22, for the sake of his great name, Yahweh will not reject you. For the sake of his great name, ICF Rome, God will not forsake you. For the sake of his great name, when I stand in intercession for my very own family, I can stand with confidence and knock on the door. Why? Because things happen when God's people knock on the door. 
God is concerned about his name. John Piper says, it was God's good pleasure to join you to himself in such a way that his name is at stake in your destiny. It was God's good pleasure to possess you in such a way that what happens to you affects his name. So now we find ourselves in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. Why? Because we have, a, we have to persist because we need to wear down God? That the only way we're ever going to get any prayer answered is if we bug God to death, if we persist so much that we wear him down? Is that what he's saying? Ask, seek, knock are in the present tense in the Greek, meaning keep on. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Why? Not because you have to wear God down. No, look at verse 10. It says, do this because you receive. Do this because you find. Do this because the door will be open. Something always happens when the people of God pray. Jesus says to keep on. Notice, what, what do we receive? Will not the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking? You see, notice, he gives this parable here, and it's phenomenal. He says, I need some bread. And then he gives up, gets up, and he gives them whatever he needs, all that he needs. You see, you come to the Lord, and you're asking for some bread. And he says, I'm going to give you some bread, but I've got some cucumbers, and I have some potatoes, and I have some goat, and I have some lamb, and I have some beef. You see, you've come asking for utensils. I'm going to give you a full meal. And no matter what you're asking for, he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. That's what he said, ask, seek, and knock, and will not the Father. What are you asking for? It doesn't matter. Whatever you are asking for, he says, will not the Father give you the Holy Spirit? Friend, that's all you need. That's all you need. Tie that parable to what he's saying here. Ask, seek, knock. Why? Because whatever you need, the Holy Spirit is going to give to you. Would you stand with me today? Thank you, Lord. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of the flying rudellas? They're trapeze artists. Have you, have you ever seen pictures of those in the circus? I, I have a picture up here on the overhead. They, it's explained by one author. I, I don't, these people are mentally insane right here. Who would do this? I don't know. So... There are two people up here. There's the flyer and there's the catcher. So one author began to speak about this. The flyer is the one that lets go and the catcher is the one who catches. So the flyer, he arcs out into the air above the crowd. His job is to remain as still and as possible and wait for the catcher to catch him and pull him out of the air. Now that takes some trust. One of the flying rudellas said this, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. My job is to ask. My job is to seek. My job is to knock, and I do that because I trust in the catcher. What kind of father 
If he asks for some bread, is he going to give him a snake? No. And Jesus is saying, the Father loves you exponentially more than any human father. And will not the Father give the Holy Spirit to the one who asks? Friend, God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think. But it's not about you. It's about Him. For He wants the glory of the Lord to fill the earth. I want to pray a, a prayer of blessing over you. That's what benediction is. Benediction comes from the Latin word benedictus. It means blessing. We've already had the blessing song, so this is a Sunday of blessing. I sent my son to India for one year right after high school. He was 18 years old. And his best friends were Sikh and Muslim and Hindu. He said, Dad, they, they wanted to talk about Jesus more than my Christian friends back home. He had such a burden for lost people. He said, Dad, something would happen when, when I would pray over them, they would put their hands out like this. It was like they were receiving a gift. And when we said amen, they would lift their hands like, I receive that. Will, will you allow me to pray a prayer blessing over you? Would you put your hands out like this, like you're receiving a gift? And I want to pray a prayer blessing over you, your home, your church, this city, this country. I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, I'm going to knock. Why? Because our Heavenly Father always does something when the people of God pray. Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ever ask or think. Now unto Him who is able to present us faultless before the living God. Be blessing, glory, wisdom, and power both now and evermore. ICF Rome, you are children of the King, children of the living God. You are a family. You are the body of Christ. You are brothers and sisters in Christ. You are joint heirs with Jesus. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light that you would show forth the praises of God in Christ Jesus. So come unto him, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and know that he will give you rest. Ask, seek, knock. Not because you have to wear God down, no, but because God always honors his name. Will not the Father give you the Holy Spirit? You are the salt of the earth. We live in a flavorless world. Rome needs some salt. Would you be salt? You are a city set on a hill. ICF Rome, listen. You are the light of the world. The one who is the light of the world prophesies over you, be light. You are the light of the world so that when your neighbors and co-workers and friends and family see the goodness of God in you, they will glorify your Father, your Father in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us now our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. Worship team, will you come? We're going to close out this service in, in worship. I want you to seal that blessing. Did you do that? Did you receive that blessing? Can you just fan that flame a little bit? Thank you, Pastor Mark, for that powerful word to remind us that the Father always protects his name over your life over your destiny over your today over your tomorrow there is no shame and no guilt in the kingdom of god so as the worship team closes us i pray blessings upon you i pray that this week you would walk i pray every week every week for our online campus for our hallelujah isn't god's word amazing I'm quite sure that there's something that you heard today that pierced your heart or your mind and you said, I need to make a decision. So I invite you even now to pray with me that the Lord would come into every aspect of your heart, every chamber, every hidden corner. Will you pray it with me today? Dear Lord Jesus, you say it. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life Take every corner of my heart. I give it all to you. Forgive me of all the things that separate me from you. Help me to walk towards the path of righteousness with God. And from this day forward, for the rest of my life, I will live for Jesus. With God's help, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to send me an email. We have prayer teams. We have people that participate in welcoming newcomers to the family of God. So will you send me an email and let me know, Pastor Jen, I prayed that prayer today. I also want you to know that if you have a need, whatever it might be, we're praying that the miracles of God would overflow in your life. And in the process of the miracle, whatever that looks like, every day you will say, Lord, I trust you. I'm ready to be in the process of my miracle. And I know that you're with me, Lord. I also want to say thank you for being a part of ICF Rome Online. Thank you for your generous donations and giving. You're giving to the Lord's work. You're giving to the ministries that are like today, touching you when you can't be with us physically. But more importantly, I want you to know that every day our prayers are with you. We are thankful that we are part of this really great international family of God at ICF Rome. And I pray that you have an amazing, blessed week.